Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. Joining me as a co-host for the show today is one of my heroes, a co-author of an upcoming book that I have coming out, and a fellow Napoleon Hill certified instructor, Tim Chim. Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, thank you, Tom. Uh, well, my name is uh, Timothy Chim. I am currently uh, owning an insurance agency uh, at uh, um, Allstate in uh, New York, and I, uh, I'm re- originally from Cambodia, escaping the uh, killing fields uh, in the 1975. So I came here in 1976, building my own business up uh, from then to now, and uh, most of it uh, successfully by using uh, Dr. Napoleon Hill's principle um, uh, from the book called Think and Grow Rich, Tom. Yay. And uh, our guest today, Tim, is a friend of both of ours. I love her to bits. I love her mom even more. Uh, Our guest today is Amy Atcha. Amy is a professional speaker, author, power of attorney, and certified guardian. She's the president and founder of Customized Caring, Inc., a company that specializes in helping aging adults and their families manage the challenges associated with life's transitions. Uh, She's the author of several books, including the estate planning book titled Me, Facts and Forecasts, a guide for now and later, which is actually written by us, you, the people, with help from Amy. She also wrote How to Put Your Mother in a Home, a very enticing title there, Uh, Professional Skills for a Home, Professional Skills for a Personal Journey, and the Improvement in 3D Workbook Series Delegation, The Art of Letting Go, Due Diligence, Moving from Obligation to Opportunity, and Decision-Making Techniques to Leverage Your Brain. As a certified guardian, Amy steps into her client's shoes and acts on their behalf in matters related to the business end of their life. Her goal is to leave her clients and their families ready for what life might bring. Welcome to the show today, Amy. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I am a reader and purchaser of your first book, Me, Facts and Forecasts, as well as the one you wrote with your husband, which is an amazing book. But uh, um, Me, Facts and Forecasts was kind of neat because I thought of things like that came up in that, uh, things like even that I've passed on to my sister and and a few other people, like the password to my website, the password to my email, the password to my Facebook, all these things that that, that didn't happen to people in olden days. Uh, You didn't have to think about those things. But now if you pass away, you kind of have to think about all these passwords and online things and things that you never would have had to think of in the past. So I really... Uh, really enjoyed that aspect of it, and maybe you could start by uh, telling a little bit of the story behind how you wrote that book, because I know it was from a pretty big challenge in your own life, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It, the, the book was really born out of an experience that I had had with my own family. 
my brother, who at the time was only 42 years old, had a heart attack and did not die. But he did not come back from from his heart attack and from his illness um, to be the, the thriving and enthusiastic, vibrant man that he was prior to that. Um, he came back and, and lived for about six years after that, but basically had the capacity of maybe about a five-year-old. Um, he had suffered some brain damage as a result of the heart attack, um, and so he just wasn't the same person that, that he was prior to. And we learned a lot of lessons. My, myself and my family learned a lot of lessons going through the struggles, the challenges, um, the, the good times and the bad that we had in Jeff's illness. And when I was going through all of it, I, in my mind, I was actually putting together this book. And so shortly after that, um, I did put pen to paper and, and came up with the book. And it really is a book about preparing for your own future um, so that you are ready, but also so that if something were to happen to you, someone could step into your shoes and take over your life um, just as you would have wanted it done, even if they didn't hardly know you. Um, so it goes through the basic parts of where is your life now? Those are the facts of the, the pieces of your life and how they how they stand right now, where your income comes from, what bills you pay, who your doctors are, what medications you take, even who your friends and family and pets are. And then the next phase of the book really is is the key. The next phase is that what do you want to happen to you and who do you want to help you at those times when you will need some help? And let's face it, we're all aging every day. However, by by the end of time, by the end of our time, about 70% of us will have gone through some long-term illness or perhaps even a disabling illness um, where we're going to need some care. We're going to need some help before we finally hit that those last few days of our life. So this book is a great place to discuss that that piece of your life of who do I want to help me? Do I want my family to help me or do I not want my family and I only want outsiders to care for me? Most people are very, uh, very specific about what they want when it comes to that as well as where do they want to live. Many people have that, that aspect of I'm never living in a nursing home. And so they really want to have that care done in their own home. So this book uh, lets you discuss all those things, put down your thoughts, and that way your family can pick the book up off the shelf or off the table and say, this is what he would have wanted. This is what she would have wanted now that she or he cannot speak for themselves. They can at least do what that person wanted done. Mm, I love it. I love it. So important. Timmer, uh, since this is your first time as a co-host on Journey to Success, you get to ask the first question. Okay, thank you, Tom. Amy, uh, look like that that book is a quote-unquote must to uh, for everybody, especially um, uh, people who are supposed to be uh, survivors. Um, and it's, it's kind of like survivor guide for those uh, people who uh, actually have uh, uh, aging parents or even not aging parents. Uh, how do you um, 
uh, describe that book in relation to something like I'm doing every day, like uh, trying to advise people what to do uh, uh, when uh, their parents are gone or when uh, husband or wife or uh, kids are gone. Uh, I'm trying to uh, uh, associate that uh, uh, book and my uh, current career, which is asking people to say how important is like life insurance, how important is uh, health care, uh, uh, long-term sure. uh, care uh, insurance and all that. And my question to you is that uh, what type of the things that should uh, one prepare for now, how important is these uh, things, how important is the uh, uh, um, guide for uh survivors it's it's very important from the point of the survivor but also that time period immediately preceding that where you're going to actually need the the care um, mm-hmm. as the aging or disabled person um, that you may become so it's very important to know and to use this book as well as even general discussions about this topic as part of your whole estate plan you know your estate plan or your your what I like to call um, all the documents that you put into customizing your cocoon, preparing for your future, your life transition, they include things such as your will, your powers of attorney for both health care and for finances, um, perhaps your, your living will or your advanced directives of what you would want to happen in the event that you have heart failure. Do you want a do not resuscitate order? What do you want on the health care scheme? as far as uh, medication management, palliative care, those types of things to happen to you as your physical body. And then on the estate side, you know, what what uh, benefits might you be entitled to? What other sources of income might you have that would be of a great resource to you as you age and or be left to your heirs when you do pass away. So it's a really big piece of planning for your future and the care that you're going to need, as well as determining, gosh, am I going to be able to leave anything to my children or is everything that I'm that I have now going to be eaten up in, in the cost of my my aging and my, my health care later on. So I think it's a key component that goes directly with your business, Tim, of determining where am I going to get the funding for for those life transitions that I'll be going through, whether it's a long-term care benefit or whether it's a death benefit that might have some living benefit attached to it or whatever the, the case may be, an annuity product or whatnot, as well as just thinking it would be nice to pass along certain uh, tangible gifts, you know, that you have in your in your house, you know, your silver or your a special picture or a special Bible, whatever it might be that you're going to hand down. This is really a little bit broader than that, and it's taking a look at your whole life and planning it out. And the reason why it's so important is not only to have that that perspective of this is how it's it's going to be but from the peace of mind that your family will go through knowing that things have been planned for, things have been set into motion so that there's not such a craziness, such a hectic commotion going on if something does happen and you need to, you know, jump into a healthcare mode or jump into, wow, we need some finances really quick. What are we going to do? So it sets up that peace of mind that, 
specific plan that we want. It follows right along with, with Napoleon Hill's theme of not just drifting along, but truly understanding what we're doing, having a purpose to what we're doing, um, and taking some personal initiative to get things put into place that we want for our loved ones as we mm. age. Nice. So important. Nice. And as I said in the book when I read through it, there was all kinds of things that I was like, oh, wow, I never would have thought to write that down. Uh, like I right. said, passwords passwords for email. I think you talked about it in a speech. And I want my website to go on, so I pass that on. Perhaps even sure. your PIN number, for, even your PIN number from your debit card. You know, maybe there's short-term cash, or somebody needs to pick up medications for you when you're out of sorts, and you know things exactly. like your PIN card, deb, your PIN card for your debit card, uh, PIN <laughs> number for your debit card can be very important. And so, so many things like that that when I went through it, it's like, wow, I never even thought of that. Now, Amy, so let me much. ask you about. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say there's so much of your life that you you do and you just do it on an everyday kind of take it for granted kind of way that other people don't know about. So if something did happen to you, gosh, it would be so important to be able to hand off that information to someone else so that they can continue to help you. And we don't realize, I think we tend to forget how many of the little details we have in our life that there'd be no way someone would know unless we told them. Exactly. Now, uh, Amy, there's also a story behind your uh, other, uh, one of your other books, How to Put Your Mother in a Home, enticing title. Yes. (laughs) Something that's come to my mind with my mother, but you've actually had to do that. And uh, I love your mom, uh, but you've had to go through that process. And I've seen uh, friends of mine have to go through that process. I think it's you call it process in the States, but in Canada we call it process. <laughs> but I've seen friends had to go through that process with their parents, and it's not always fun or pleasant because usually they, they go kicking and screaming. Um, tell us a little bit about your mom and your mom's story and, and how that was the impetus for your book, How to Put Your Mother in a Home. Sure. My mom, uh, Dr. Judith Arce, has lived an amazing life. She she was very independent, uh, very strong person, always doing everything that she wanted, when she wanted, how she wanted to do it, just the great life that we all wish that we could lead. Um, until a few years ago when she began to notice issues with her vision and she found out that she had macular degeneration, which is age-related, um, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, so the, the downside to that is that you do lose a portion of your vision. The upside is that usually you don't lose all your vision. You don't go completely blind, but you do lose the majority of your vision, especially that central focus. And when she was beginning to experience some of the issues related to that, we got together as a family. We decided, you know, this is kind of crazy. We're a, a global family. At the time, mom had lived, was living in Tennessee. I was living here in Chicago. I have a brother in Houston and another brother that lives in Australia. So we are really the epitome of the, the American family these days where we're spread all over the world. And it came down to, wow, who's going to help mom? 
who's going to help mom out when she needs help? If she can no longer drive, if she can no longer do some of the things that she always had been able to do. So we, we got together, we talked quite a bit about, you know, how does mom want to be helped. Obviously, she was a part of these discussions um, because it was her life and it was her decision in in part to determine where she wanted to live and who wanted to help her out, who she wanted. And coincidentally, we, we came up with the idea that it would be best if mom moved up here by me in Chicago, partly because this is what I do, um, but also because of the mother-daughter bond that we have. So in the process of moving mom up, you know, I kind of tracked all the different stages that we went through. And even though I'd had experience doing the the same type of thing with my grandparents and with my brother um, and even with my dad a little bit, it's it's different with your mom. Moms are unique. Moms have that, hold that special place in your heart that, that really there's just that level of love and care that you, you can't even begin to explain. So I, I really documented and chronicled my journey that I took with my mom from more of a business standpoint. So from that due diligence standpoint of does mom really need care? Does mom really need care from an outsider or does she need to be in a facility where they're going to provide that care as opposed to having care at home? And we started at that step and and worked it all along through discussions with mom, finding the right place for mom, downsizing from her old place, getting rid of the the old the memories, the the journeys that she'd been on, all those all those trinkets that she'd gathered throughout her life, downsizing some of that, and then finally moving into the new place, and then even at that juncture settling into a new routine, having to make new friends, new acquaintances, new uh, schedules, different activities that she'd be involved in so that she would really feel settled in and that so that we as the, as the family could also know that she was feeling in a good place. So that's what the book is all about. And she, it was really our journey together that, that took us through that. Um, she, she was actually the one who came up with the title, she said, you know, why don't you just make it straightforward? How to put your mom in a home? We thought, oh, okay. But she, she did write the back cover to it um, and, and put a little note on there that, that says, okay, maybe maybe you shouldn't have made the title so harsh. But it really was a, a journey that we took together. Right, and nobody ever says, geez, I wonder what that book is about. Right, you know, right from the cover. <laughs> Right from the cover, exactly. Uh, Tim, you got another question there for uh, Amy? Uh, yes. Um, now, uh, the uh, resources from uh, from from where uh, you know where can one uh, find resources if they uh, have some questions uh, uh, or like that, Amy? One of the best places now that that we have this fabulous internet in front of us is to just go to Google or Yahoo or Bing or whatever your your uh, mm. your search engine is and type in your key questions. So if you're looking for today, I was doing searches for adult daycare for a client, um, looking at that, looking for memory care uh, facility for a client. So using the internet is one of the best sources to go to just as a general search. To 
dig a little bit deeper, there's also some some groups or some associations around the various communities which can help you out as well. So you can go through um, your your local uh, governments, your local village hall may have some information on where to turn to for resources such as elder care, senior care, as well as AARP. Um, and also, just depending on the neighborhood that you live in, I'm also a part of a group called the Association of Senior Service Providers. So there's different groups out there, the Alzheimer's Foundation, uh, the Kidney Foundation, all these places where you can go to get information. And I think that many of those are untapped resources that if I have a question, where can I go? Who can I think of asking just to get information? And one thing will lead to another. The other piece that you can go to is find people who are like me, who are in this business of really connecting people who need the service with people who provide the service and pulling them together, matching them together and saying, hey, take a look at each other. I think you could benefit from a relationship or a connection to each other. Um, so I love to help people out if if anybody across the, you know, across the world really is in a position where they need to find something I can help pull them together, especially if it's in my own backyard. Nice. Now, you have to learn a little thing about marketing in that you didn't even give your website. I thought your website would be part of that answer. So give everyone your website. At least. My website, certainly my website, www.customizedcaring.com. And my email address, if you want to write me directly, is Amy at customizedcaring.com. Great. Customizedcaring.com and Amy at customizedcaring.com. Really nicely done website. I really like it. Been on it a few times the last few days and uh, well done. Now you have a new series of books, uh, workbooks. You call them the 3D workbook series. They involve delegation, due diligence, and decision-making. Uh, tell us about those uh, three workbooks, one of them in particular, Decision-Making Techniques to Leverage Your B-R-A-I-N, and I assume B-R-A-I-N is an acronym for something. It certainly is. Your brain, your great source of, of making decisions all coming from your brain. But let me have you hold on that for a second. I'll explain what the whole 3D process is. So as I was doing, uh, preparing for a lot of a lot of my discussions, a lot of my work that I do with my guardianship clients and their families, several things kept coming up, and those those things were these three Ds, the need to delegate, the need to do your due diligence, and the need to be able to make decisions, sometimes in a very short amount of time, and sometimes determining do I make the decision myself or do I need to collaborate with others when I'm making that decision. I think that having been through this process several times, I realized that, you know, we're always in a position to improve ourselves, whether it's from a personal position or whether it's from a corporate position that we're in or, or company position in our job where we're trying to improve our service level or improve our skills, improve ourselves, and grow from that. So I came up with this, um, this product called Improvement in 3D, and we dive deeper into each of these different Ds, um, and we really try and work on 
what we can do to improve and how we can pull all of them together as well as pulling in the context of both the personal side and the business side because a lot of times our stress involves just trying to carry too much. We're trying to do too many things in too many different areas of our life and we don't really know where to go with it. So the first concept I talk about is delegation, which we may say, but I don't have anyone that works for me. And to my, my answer to that is you don't have to. Sometimes you can delegate across to a peer. Sometimes you can delegate up to your boss. Sometimes it's a matter of delegating down to your children with your tasks that are at home and therefore relieving the stress of just doing all the home activities along with all the work activities. So that's the first piece. That's the first D. The second, and that the book is called The Art of Letting Go, and that is written from the, the control freak side of we need to learn to let go. Things will happen. They'll get done. It's fine. So we need to delegate. Um, the second D is for due diligence, and that's your basic fact-finding mission that we're on. We need to know what it is as, as reasonable um, informed buyers of products and services, we need to do our due diligence to know what we're getting into, what to expect. And my, my stance here is that if we do this due diligence before we need to do it or on an ongoing basis, we open ourselves up to the possibility of opportunity to improve as opposed to waiting until the end of a contract period, waiting until we have to do something uh, that might be required by the law for due diligence on a transaction. If we do it beforehand, we have the ability to make some good positive changes rather than wait until it's, it's a time crunch. So that's the second D. We dive deep into doing due diligence. And the third D is on decision-making. And, yes, we talk about leveraging your brain. And your brain is an acronym for a basic decision-making model. So BRAIN stands for benefits, risks, alternatives, intuition, or what your gut's telling you, and nothing. What if you did nothing? So you take those, those five steps and you go through your decision using those five steps. And I think in some aspects, we do that as a matter of, of habit or as a matter of routine. When you decide what shirt you want to put on in the morning, you may do it in a split second, just deciding what do I want to do. Other choices, other decisions we make, we definitely need to lay out that plan and think through exactly what are the benefits to this decision and this action that I may take. What are the risks? What are the pros, the cons? And I leverage that in this discussion with a piece of some different tactics on the decision-making as well as the collaboration of others. How, who do we want involved in the decision? How will we communicate the decision? How will we provide uh, information to what we want? And then we, we wrap it up together, this whole program, we wrap it up together with a discussion of the overlap of these three. Sometimes when you're doing your decision making, you need to do your due diligence, of course, and you don't have to do it, you can delegate that. So we pull all three pieces together for some very sound activity. Wow. This is a very thorough process. Yes, yes. So I have a program on that that's a a, a good uh, two-day 
long program where we, we really dive deep into it as well as some one-hour seminars or one-hour webinars on each of the different Ds. Nice. And you can find nice. out more about those seminars and webinars on my website. Right, and I uh, saw there was one just recently. Uh, and so, yeah, those are a great opportunity for people at their own convenience, sitting at home in their pajamas with their feet up uh, to learn about all these things and so take advantage of those webinars. Uh, Tim, I have a question kind of for you that relates to this. Uh, you're in the financial business. My mom is a retired uh, United Church minister and so she does a lot of funerals and boy, she has impressed on me the importance of writing down to the detail everything you want in your funeral because she's had people uh, come and they're just fighting tooth and nail and swearing at each other and not going to funerals and just a disgusting time because no mom would want that no mom would want this <laughs> and so you know you're supposed to be getting together as a family to celebrate a life and instead you're bickering like crazy and but then i also imagine tim you must have a lot of clients who Again, it's not just about planning your death and your funeral with life insurance anymore. You have to plan for, you know, if if my mind suddenly goes, and some people would argue it might already have gone, but, you know, if I'm not able to make decisions on my own, I need to write down everything I want uh, 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 if I'm this, if I'm incapacitated like that because I don't want my wife and my mother arguing over, oh, I think Tom would want that plug pulled and someone else saying, no, no, don't pull that plug. Uh, you know, I, I want them to be able to know what my wishes are if I'm still alive, but not able to make those decisions myself. You must come across a lot of both of those situations with people that you're doing finances with. Uh, yes, I do, Tom. Yes, I do, Tom. And that, wa that is why it is uh, very, uh, Amy uh, can attest to that, it's very and extremely important to leave some uh, uh, guidance for your uh, survivor or survivors. And uh, something that we need to do is to instruct our survivors what to do. And the survivors and or herself should n need to know uh, what to do first, what to do uh, next. And the uh, documentation that Amy is uh, uh, was talking about is very important. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, ranging from uh, credit card uh, numbers and insurance companies' uh, policies and agents, uh, who to contact, where to contact. Many, many times I have my uh, clients who come to me not knowing where their uh, husbands or, uh, or wife or life insurance is at or where is the policy for the uh, for the long-term care is at and how to arrange for funeral and stuff like that. Now, the final arrangements must be uh, must be uh, um, uh, instructed by uh, you know by you or by the people who uh, uh, who uh, uh, actually uh, do prepare for such things. And unfortunately, too many people don't prepare for that. And the things like uh, what do you do uh, during the first days? You know, what are you planning to do? Planning for funeral and memorial services are among the first and the most complex issues. And if you don't know what to do, you can't. You can't just, you know, you just want props. People are just sit there and cry and do nothing. And, 
you know, here we go, the insurance company, like uh, insurance agent as me, uh, you know, the only thing that we can do is to bring 50000 100000 or whatever the, the, the face amount that they have to them. But uh, the uh, um, uh, obligation still rests upon uh, the family member what to do. What to do after uh, uh, one's uh, either incapacitated or die, and it is mm-hmm. it is very important. Right, and sometimes the children have to like if a husband dies, sometimes the children will have to decide how to help their mom, what to do with that money, where to invest that money. Um, that's sometimes right. the mom, sometimes the mom has no experience in managing the money, and and so it's so important. Now, Amy. Uh, these conversations, like parents and children and talking about these things, is morbid. Most people don't want to do it. I saw my wife and her mom do something because their mom was recently hospitalized, and both of them were in tears and blubbering and and talking about it. Is it maybe important to have someone like yourself sit in on a meeting between parents and children to make sure the discussion moves along, that everything's discussed that needs to be discussed and that nothing is missed uh, because it's not a natural conversation to have with someone. If I'm incapacitated, right. I want this. If I'm, when I'm dead, I want you to, you know, wear a pink uh, tie and just throw, put me in a corner and have a big party. Uh, you know, these are right. not easy things to, these are not easy right. things to discuss with your children or even your spouse. Right. It's, they're very difficult things because we don't want to think about being there. And, and for a lot of us, we also don't want to think about the fact that if we're there, what's going to happen to our family? How are they going to make it through if I'm not there to help them? Um, so it does, it certainly is a, is a blessing to have these discussions with your family. And you know, you never know when something's going to happen that you're going to end up you know, wishing that you had had this discussion. So the the sooner you can have it, the better. Now, with that said, it is a very difficult conversation to have because it is so emotionally charged. And it does help sometimes to have uh, someone like myself or an outsider or a third-party person in there, maybe someone uh, such as Tim in there as well, to help facilitate that meeting, to just keep it sort of keeping it with the business end in mind of we just need to make sure on the business end that things are going to transpire in the best way possible with the least emotional distress Um, when the time comes as opposed to how we typically see things exactly how Tim had described you know, the first couple of days, everyone is almost still in shock and we're just frozen. We don't know what to do. Um, so sometimes it's a matter of if we'd had the discussion before, we could at least go through the motions. Our mind and our emotions might still be all crazy and, and mixed up in there, but we'd know what that person would have wanted. Um, likewise, at, the, at that time, it's never wrong to hire an outsider to have them help walk through those steps, help you take you to the different steps of what do I need to go do, what do I need to um, decide on, what things do I need now versus later on. A discussion is always the best place to start, and it always is a good thing to have between parents and children, regardless of age, um, once those children have reached the age of about 
16, 17, 18, so somewhere around there where they're capable of really understanding that, that, uh, what we're talking about. Um, right. So definitely now, yeah, uh, be involved or not. It's, it's the discussion that needs to happen. Right. And it, would it sometimes be better without the kids, just with someone like yourself, or are the kids going to come back after, or uh, maybe the other spouse and like, I don't believe she said that, and my right. mom would never say that. Or is it important to have yeah. the the family there along with you rather than just you being there as a you know, certified guardian so that they're not on your case when it happens? Sure. That depends yeah. on how the how the parents want it. A lot of times the parents are going to say, you know, I don't I want to be able to make these decisions and I don't want my children to be influencing me one way or another or think that I have to pick or choose between my children. So they will want a third party. They will want me or some other third party person to be in there helping them make the decision um, because it does make it a little bit easier and less emotional than to, to try and decide these things with your children. Um, so sometimes that is the best way to go is by using uh, using me to, to help facilitate that. Um, for other people, they say, no, I want my children a part of it. Um, but it does make it much more difficult when you're when you're trying to, you know, keep the emotions at bay while you're making such hard um, decisions that you're making about your future. For sure, for uh, sure. Uh, Amy, um, a question. Uh, do you do business outside of your state? As well, I do. I do. You I am do. a national certified guardian, so I can serve mm -hmm. as a guardian in any state. Um, I think there's about four states that have additional requirements, um, but I can certainly provide consulting services um, to anyone in any state. And then uh, guardianship services, that is all jurisdiction uh, depends on the actual county. So yes, I can travel to any state and, and had a, my first guardianship was actually down in Florida. And and I'm up here in Chicago, so that is very no matter where. Yeah. Hey, uh, Timmer, I have a question. Oh, people that are listening or anything, why does he keep calling them Timmer? Well, that's just what we call each other, Timmer and Tomer. <laughs> but uh, Tim, I've uh, seen more uh, financial products sold in Canada. I imagine probably in the U.S. in the last five years that are related to what happens if you get a chronic, debilitating serious illness that you can't work. You don't die, but you can't work anymore. Um, is that something that Allstate has more and more of? Because that's going to happen, as Amy said, there's often going to be a number of years where you suffer or incapacitated or, or have an illness or before you die. And uh, you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're able to survive financially if it happens to you at a young age in your 40s or 50s, uh, and you can't work for the rest of your life. Most people will not have saved up enough money to survive, and you don't want to be a burden to too many people or anyone. Um, is this something that Allstate and, and more financial companies are, are looking at or have products for? Yes, I'm sure Bri, uh, Amy will uh, know that too. We do, uh, the insurance industry uh, has uh, have something called the long-term disability policy or short-term disability policy or just simply a disability policy where you can purchase 
for for um, as long as you need. As uh, long term one, you can do it until your age uh, 65, example. So you yes, you do have uh, we do have that product uh, available uh, to uh, sell to those people who I think it almost a must. Uh, it's uh, uh, Amy can can. Uh, 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 tell you more about how important that is. You know, I mean, uh, the products, uh, life insurance, disability benefits, and long-term care, health insurance are all these things that we do every day. And plus, the, uh, in financial uh, uh, term, we do uh, uh, advise uh, people what to do in case that they do have, uh, you know, face amount like large sum a million half million dollars and all that what do they do after uh, their loved one uh, passed on those are the things that we do every day yes we do but I don't know though in Canada uh, if you can get something for yourself while you're already uh, uh, sick Tommy yeah yeah I might exclude my rheumatoid arthritis <laughs> maybe uh, you know it always has a pre-existing condition thing uh, Amy That's you can right. talk a bit about that and then also uh, you know just what I've learned 51 years old and heard is talk about powers of attorney because those are really important for right. A for your health and B for your finances you need to have like two Certainly. powers of attorneys that are up to date at all times and even if you're 30 years old, get that power of attorney done because if it happens, right. you don't want people arguing or the state deciding or someone else looking after you, right. uh, after your money and your health. Right. So a power of attorney is a it's a legal document. It's it is um, state specific, so you have to check with your state uh, to make sure you're getting the correct form that you're using. But essentially, what it is is you deciding who it is that will speak for you in the event that you cannot speak for yourself. And and so typically we think of this as someone's aging and they lose capacity. They may have a stroke. They may have Alzheimer's, something like that. But don't forget that a power of attorney is also a very good document uh, to have for situations where you may be off you know, visiting, scouring the world, you know, on a six-month vacation and you need somebody to just take care of business back home. Um, so that that's a good thing to have no matter what. Um, it's important to be able to say who you want to speak for you if you can't speak for yourself from the point of when you're 18 years and older because in the U.S. that's at the time that you just, that you are determined to be a legal adult and your parents no longer have the right to speak for you, um, unless, of course, you want them to. Um, so they they don't have to, and you may not want them to speak for you because they may have different wishes, different goals for you than what you have in mind. The trouble usually comes more as we're aging, and it is exactly what you were saying, Tom, where, where you may have two or three different kids, and they're all saying, I want this done for mom, I want that done for mom, and the doctors don't know who to listen to. Um, so the power of attorney will set the stage. It will set the base for who's the, who is the point person, who is the final decision maker and the mouthpiece for that person. And this power of attorney document, you, you use the form that perhaps an attorney has drafted or that you can pull off of the Internet, and you decide yourself who 
you want to speak for you. So if you want one of your children, if you want, you know, your spouse, if you want a different person, I serve as power of attorney for a few people that I am not related to simply because either they don't have children or because they didn't want to have to decide between their children who was going to be the one who would speak for them. So instead, they use an outside person to keep it a little less personal, a little bit more on the business end of life. Hmm. But it's very important because we never know what will happen to us and when. And this is just your safeguard, your insurance, so to speak, of who can actually be your advocate, your legal advocate, at the time when you can't uh, communicate your decisions. I love it. And if you're a wise adult who really cares for the people in your life, it's difficult to do, but it's important to have these discussions and get these forms uh, filled out. Uh, You could be saving your family from battles and fights and arguments and disagreements and nastiness. Uh, So not only are you doing it for yourself and money, yeah, like money. money, and even little knickknacks. I know when uh, my grandmother passed away, like there was some arguing over her. Oh, she had some fancy figurine model thingies, uh, you know, heirloom thingies that her and her brother fought over. And it's like, my goodness, like if she could have just wrote down, okay, you get this one, you get that one, or so-and-so, you don't want people fighting over your stuff and your money after you're gone. So for the good of the welfare of your family, um, put those things together and be smart about it and do it ahead of time uh, so that uh, you don't disrupt your whole family because of it. Right. Yes. Preparing early, I really think, is the key. And and keeping keeping in mind that you're looking out for yourself and giving peace of mind to your family so that they won't have to go through the turmoil um, when things do happen. Yeah, and also I would like to uh, interject to that. I think keeping records of your personal information and documents is extremely important. You know, even if like, okay, where do you keep your life insurance? Where do you keep your car insurance? Where do you keep your stuff? And there's a, I assume that, Amy, in your book, do you provide it a space where people can write that down somewhere there? Yes. Exactly. Thank you for Mm -hmm. for mentioning that. Yes, it's very important, you know, especially the part of do you even have a safety deposit box and where is Mm -hmm. it at? Because there's typically no record at home of where a safety deposit box might be held, if there even is one. Where a lot of these these documents that Tim just mentioned might be in that safety deposit box. It's 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 very important, Tom, because uh, this is real. It's not even a joke. Because I've seen some uh, some of my clients like carry like two bags of you know old uh, uh, I would say records, and then ranging from 1910 to now, which they Ooh. don't know which comes with. <laughs> it is it is very important. I think that is the key, Amy. Thank you for writing that book. I think uh, if you were here in New York. We probably have something in common that we can use you uh, at least uh, maybe uh, to help people uh, fighting this uh, mess. Actually, you know, I mean, like people never have a will, like Tom say, they don't they they don't have a will until it's too late. Uh, and uh, uh, power of attorney or um, a living will, um, 
and you know and then that even one thing that that do not uh, uh the dnr things uh, amy right the do not resuscitate whether right or not yes want to be resuscitated or not should mm-hmm. their their heart stop yeah right exactly and even like you said where are the documents like i have my will in my briefcase so if i don't write it <laughs> if, I, if i don't write it down in that in my in that book of yours amy how's kim ever going to find our oh, no that's right. okay where where the heck did tom keep his will he's got a big office full of paperwork here where the heck is it right mm-hmm. and you had mentioned earlier pets i hadn't thought of that but if you die yes. and you got pets you probably want to mm-hmm. make sure that they're not uh brought in to be euthanized the very next day. You probably want someone to look after them. You want them to be cared for properly. You want someone who's already agreed to say, yeah, I'll take that mangy mud of yours off your hand. Uh, So even things like that, you love them to death while you're alive. I'm sure people want to make plans for them after they're gone. Right. Right, and, or what's going to happen even in that interim where if you were to have, you know, Alzheimer's or you were to have a stroke, you're still around, but can you care for your pet and who will help mm. you? Right, right. So important, all these things that we don't even think of but are so important. Who's going to look after my valuable goldfish and my, you know, my <laughs> cat and my dog? And so, yeah, and where where things are. So, again, let's remind people, your website, customizedcaring.com, and a really fancy email address, amy at customizedcaring.com. Uh, right. So, a- A-M-Y, nobody should have trouble spelling Amy. Um, and so, great website, lots of different information on there. As we discussed earlier, you are a certified guardian throughout the states. So you can operate in all the states, I imagine. And so a good resource, instead of just pounding the Internet or Google, go to Customize Caring and email Amy and find out maybe if she can find you some of that information. Uh, Good to have you on the interview as well, Uh, Tim. As an Allstate agent, you have to look after a lot of these uh, deaths and uh, illnesses and end-of-life issues as well. And so great to get uh, get your viewpoint on uh, the whole thing as well. Thanks so much for uh, joining us uh, today, Amy. Uh, say uh, hello to your mom and uh, your amazing husband, Iqbal, who's like a world-famous Toastmasters uh, ambassador. Every picture I see, he's doing Toastmasters. So uh, I know that's a whole other discussion that we had on another interview about a book you and your husband wrote. But thank you so much for joining us today, uh, both of you, Amy and Tim. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, Amy. It's my pleasure, too. Take care, guys.